Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Well, good evening. It's good to be with you again. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. I'm Pastor Mike Brunzel with Faith Fellowship Church, teaching from my home once again in Taylorsville, Kentucky. Uh, so glad you could join us tonight. Uh, somebody sent me up a heart or something, so I know this is working. I had trouble with my phone. Thank you for that heart. All right, I know it's working now. Had trouble with my phone. This is Pastorette's phone. Praise the Lord. Probably worked better than mine. But anyway, I want to begin teaching tonight out of one of Kenneth E. Hagin's books called The Authority of the Believer. Now, this is Dad Hagin. He's the one that started the Bible college in uh, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma area. And uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord since then. And his son, Kenneth W. Hagin, has taken over the school and the church and He's uh, running the ministry now, but this is from Brother Hagen. He wrote a lot of uh, wonderful, revelated books, and uh, he's got them in several different languages. He has a worldwide ministry. He's got uh, Rhema graduates in every, just about every nation of the world, uh, and uh, it said that the sun never rises or sets on a place that there's not a Rhema graduate, a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist, a missionary. Uh, they're all over the world as a result of his ministry. But anyway, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Thank you for the word that's about to come forth tonight. I pray that I'm anointed to deliver it with boldness, with clarity, with simplicity, and above all, with accuracy. I thank you that the people that are hearing will have ears to hear, hearts to believe and receive, eyes that will cause them to see the things that you're trying to Show us tonight in your words. So we give you praise and glory, and we thank you that good things will come from this. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So uh, I want to start out by saying, when you and I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and we were born again, several things were imparted to us. And uh, for example, forgiveness and righteousness, the love of God, and the nature of God, among many other things, was imparted into us at the new birth. And in 2 Corinthians 5.17, in the King James Version, it tells us, uh, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he, uh, or born again, he is a new creature, old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. And then in the Amplified, I like to read it in the Amplified, it says, Therefore, if any person is engrafted, implanted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. So this is more than just a casual knowing of Christ. This is more than just a casual relationship. Uh, we talked about the power of the seed Sunday, and we, we learned that the seed has to be engrafted or implanted into somebody and has to be implanted in the good soil or it's not going to uh, produce any fruit. Well, here it's saying that this relationship is an engrafted, implanted relationship in Christ. He's saying if any person is born again, he's engrafted, he's implanted in Christ. You become a part of him. 
And so God wants to transform us into this new creation. And uh, like I said Sunday, our spirit was transformed immediately. We were given a brand new spirit, a brand new start, but we had to deal with the flesh and the soul, which consists of the mind, the will, and the emotion. That's our job to take care of that. But we start out fresh and new with all these wonderful things and these empowerments and anointings uh, imparted into us at the new birth. And we have to realize that God never forces himself on anyone. He gave us a free will, and for him to just come into you uh, without you asking uh, would be a violation of your, your uh, rights and a violation of your free will. And uh, he just doesn't force himself on people. So uh, we have the ability to choose. So we have to exercise that free will. And we have to make the choice uh, on our own to ask him into our lives. We have to want to be in a relationship with him. We have to want to be born again and be forgiven of our sins. And uh, we're made a new creation and God imparts these things into us, like I said, forgiveness and love and righteousness and the very nature of God. When we're born, we're born in a spiritually dead condition. And, uh, you know, our soul is messed up and uh, God has to impart into us a new nature. He has to, old nature has to die. It passes away. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. The old nature passes away. And we have a new nature, and that's the nature of our new father, Father God. So he also imparted into us uh, power and authority over the enemy. He's not going to make us one of his children and then leave us powerless when it comes to dealing with the affairs of the enemy. And yet most people don't realize that. And as long as they don't realize it, they'll never use that ability. They'll never use that power and that authority or that anointing with the enemy and he's just going to knock you from pillar to post until you get to the place where you understand that you can exercise authority over him and power over him. And you don't have to be knocked around by the devil. So, uh, for example, let me take my grandson, Ethan. I'm going to tell you that boy, anytime he has some money, he wants to go to Chick-fil-A and spend all this money at Chick-fil-A. He just can't seem to pass a Chick-fil-A without stopping in and getting a number one large with pepper jack cheese, a Coke Zero, and a chocolate chip cookie. That's his forte. He never changes. <laughs> but even when he doesn't have any money, he can usually con his mom or his dad or his mama and papa uh, out of a, a Chick-fil-A meal. And uh, But anyway, when he can't con anybody, and he drives and he goes places and stuff, and if uh, he's broke, then as painful as it might be to the old boy, uh, he has to pass that Chick-fil-A because he doesn't have any money. But let's say he's on his way home from somewhere and he passes by a Chick-fil-A and he wants to go in bad. He wants to get that number one. and uh, But he doesn't bother going through the drive through because he knows he's broke. He doesn't have any money. But then a little while after he gets home, the phone rings and it's his old papa. And I say, how you doing? And he says, I'm good, how you doing? I say, forget about it. I'm doing good. And anyway, we, we talk like that to each other sometimes. And after the exchange of the pleasantries, then I say, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, while you were at the house yesterday, I slipped 20 bucks in your coat pocket. Well, what do you think is the first thing that's going to pop in his mind? Man, I could have got that Chick-fil-A on the way home tonight. And he could have. He was right there. I mean, he had the money. All he had to do was 
get in that drive-thru, reach in his pocket, get that 20 bucks out and pay for his number one. But he didn't because he didn't know that he had the 20 bucks. And that's the point I want to make. I mean, everything was there for him. I mean, the perfect storm was brewing. Only problem was he didn't know that he had the 20 bucks in his pocket. And that's what proves my point is that you can't use something uh, or exercise something if you don't know you have it. And so that's one of the reasons why I want to teach on this tonight, because there's a lot of Christians, a lot of believers that are going through life not knowing uh, even a small part of the benefits they have being a child of God, not even knowing the anointing that's on their life, the power and authority that they have over the circumstances of life and how they could be victorious and be overcomers, just exercising this authority. And if you don't know you have it, you can't exercise it. It's not helping you any. Uh, another example is Jesus died for the lost. We know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so Jesus died for us, hung on that cross to save every single one of us and keep us from going to hell. And he paid the price in full. I mean, there was no uh, balance on that uh, the wages of sin. He paid it full, and yet countless thousands of good people are dying and going to hell every day. Why? Because they don't know that he saved them, and it's our job to tell them, and that's why one of the last things Jesus told us was, go you into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature, or preach the gospel to all of my creation. Why? Because he wants them to know that he's already done the work of salvation on their behalf, and all they have to do is ask. But if they don't know, they can't ask. And so we need to tell them, God's not mad at them. God loves them, and he loved them enough to give his only son. His son came to this earth, died in our place for our sins on our behalf, took stripes on his back for our healing, and he wants us to know that all we have to do is ask for him to come into our lives and he will, and we'll be born again, we'll be saved, uh, we, we won't be going to hell anymore, but we'll have a place in heaven. And so that's our job. But Brother Hagin's book is based mainly on the Apostle Paul's epistle to the Ephesian church. And Brother Hagin suggests that we read this, the, at least the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, over and over again for a period of several days, maybe a week or two, because that's how you will get that word implanted and engrafted into your soil, into your heart, so that it can come alive and benefit you in so many different ways. Uh, it's not just a casual reading or a casual glance at it. This is something that we need to behold and we need to spend some time on it and get it into our hearts where it can grow. And uh, you'll notice that Paul prayed some spirit-filled, anointed prayers at the end of the first and third chapter, uh, the Apostle Paul prayed a lot of spirit-led prayers, spirit-inspired prayers, and we can get a lot of examples from him, and we can learn how to have a, a fruitful prayer life by uh, copying the prayers that Paul prayed and praying them over for ourselves and for our families and, and, and our loved ones. But these prayers that he prayed for the Ephesian church are just as... Uh, uh, as relevant to, to us today as they were to the believers at Ephesus back then 
And the reason is because these prayers are timeless and because they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul may have prayed them, Paul may have penned them, but the Holy Spirit gave him those prayers. Uh, let's read one of them in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. Apostle Paul says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So in other words, these are the prayers that Paul is praying for the Ephesian church, and he's praying for you and I, uh, that we could understand these things, that God would give us that spirit of wisdom and, and revelation so we can understand them and understand the exceeding greatness of his power to us word, to us who believe according to the working of that mighty power. And so... I also want to read that in the uh, read that same passage in the Amplified again for clarity. It says, "I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers." And then he says, "For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that He may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation." And then he explains what that means of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. It's not just a knowledge of him. He's praying that we will have an intimate knowledge of him, uh, insight into the mysteries and the secrets of him. And then in verse 18, he says, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light. And, uh, remember in the King James, he said that our hearts be enlightened. Well, he wants our hearts flooded with light. I like that part about this amplified version so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich his, is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones. He wants us to understand the will of, of God for our lives. He wants us to understand our calling. Most Christians go through life without even realizing they have a calling. They go through life not really walking in the perfect will of God, and they just walking in the acceptable will of God, and they're missing out on so much in their life. And so Paul is praying that we go beyond that knowledge, that we have an intimate knowledge, uh, and we understand our glorious inheritance because we are joint heirs with Christ. And so he says, so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. There's no doubt about how much strength Christ had and how great his and mighty his strength was. He defeated the devil on his own turf. He, he not only defeated him at the cross, but then he went into hell and took the keys to death and hell away from him. I mean, he defeated him uh, in the heavenlies, on the earth and beneath the earth. And he had to be mighty and strong to do that. And then in verse 20, it says, which he exerted in Christ. God exerted his power in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him 
at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Now, I'm telling you, it took a tremendous amount of power to raise Christ because when he raised Christ from the dead, he raised you and me from the dead. He raised every born again believer that would believe in Christ from that day till the day he comes back. That was a lot of weight. That was a lot of life for him to raise from the dead. And it took a mighty arm of God to raise Christ from the dead. But I'm glad that Paul prayed those powerful prayers over the Ephesian church and over us. As a matter of fact, my wife and I, Pastorette, praised that prayer over ourselves, and we've prayed it over our church more times than I can count. And we want every one of you to experience the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. We want you to experience the things that Paul prayed for. We want God to give you insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of Christ. We want your hearts flooded with light, not just a little peak every now and then, not just a little revelation every now and then, but we want you flooded with light, driving out all darkness so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints. And we want you to know and understand the unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power that's working in us, the same power that was imparted into us when we were born again and became new creatures, as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength when he raised Christ from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. It is God's will for you and I to walk in this. And, uh, you know, since he put Christ at his right hand in heavenly places. And then Paul tells us uh, later in his epistles that we're seated in heavenly places with Christ. So we're seated right there with him. We were raised with him. I mean, we, we were crucified with him. We died with him. We were buried with him. We were raised with him. And now we're seated with him in heavenly places in Christ. That's what you look like in the spiritual realm. And then Paul prayed another powerful spirit-led prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 3 or chapter 3 verses 14 through 19. He says for this cause, for this reason, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many knows it's nice to bow your knees to Jesus Christ sometimes? It's it's nice for you to acknowledge that he is your Lord and he's superior to you. He's the master, and you're his child. Uh, you're his brother or sister. I mean, you're God's child. But then uh, the reason he said for this cause or this reason is because in chapter 2, he preached that we have all become one in the body of Christ, and we're built up together in him. And that's the cause or the reason he bowed his knees in worship to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 15, he said, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. We're part of a big family. And uh, it's named in heaven and it's named in the earth. And it's called the body of Christ, the children of God. In verse 16, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Now, this is another prayer that Pastor Ed and I were taught to pray over ourselves and also pray over the church and, and uh, our loved ones. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. You remember I taught on that last Wednesday, being rooted and grounded in love 
may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And it's talking about the size of Christ's love for us. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. We can't even know the depths of his love. We can't even measure the depths of his love. There's no way that we could understand the breadth, the length, and the depth and height of Christ's love because it's immeasurable. And uh, to know the love of Christ with path, passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. It is possible to be filled with all the fullness of God, all the attributes of God. You can be filled with them. And Brother Hagen said in his book that he spent about six months praying this way. He said he spent countless hours at the altar on his knees, just like Paul. And uh, he said that he even tells, told his wife at times that he didn't want to be disturbed unless it was an emergency. He was pastoring a church back at this time. He said, I don't want to be disturbed unless it's an emergency. And he said that he would pray sometimes for two or three days without ever going to the house. And uh, so he was really intent on getting all these things that Paul prayed. And finally, the spirit of wisdom and revelation began to function in his life. And he said he began to see things in the Bible that he'd never seen before. Now, I haven't seen nearly as much as Brother Hagin has. Matter of fact, I went to his school, sat under his teaching, uh, read his books and everything else uh, because I haven't come nowhere near that. But I have noticed that I have more wisdom and revelation since I have been praying these prayers and since I have been walking in the, in the will of God in that respect. But he said he advanced more in spiritual growth and knowledge in the word in those six months than he had in 14 years as a minister up to that time and more than 16 years as a Christian. I mean, it wasn't until he got serious about these prayers and started praying them intensely uh, that he began to walk in that wisdom and, and that revelation that God wanted him to walk in. And uh, like I said, my wife and I, as long as, as well as other Rhema students that went to Rhema Bible College in Tulsa, were taught to pray these prayers years ago. We graduated in 1993, and uh, so it was in 91, 92 that we were uh, going to college there, and uh, we learned to pray these prayers then along with several of the other spirit-led prayers that Paul prayed elsewhere in the epistles. I mean, how many believe Paul knew how to pray? And how many believe Paul got some answers to his prayers and that we can definitely learn something from Paul's prayers? In Philippians uh, chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, he prayed this prayer. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. That's a good prayer, isn't it? For I, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Paul, pray that over me every day. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. And then in Colossians, the first chapter, the ninth through the twelfth verse, or last part of the ninth verse, Paul prayed that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, we prayed the Ephesian prayers like this, and uh, uh, well, they call them the Pauline prayers, but then we begin to personalize them. Brother Hagin taught us to personalize them. In other words, 
uh, we pray that I pray that I might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that I might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, that I be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made me meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So you can personalize these prayers and pray them over yourself. You can pray them over your wife, your uh, friends, your loved ones. But we realize early on that if we're going to preach and teach God's word with any degree of accuracy, that we were going to need the spirit of wisdom and revelation operating in our lives. And uh, so we also knew that if we're going to grow spiritually, we needed everything that these prayers had to offer. And all these things are found in the Holy Ghost. I mean, if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, then they're in there. They're like that Prego spaghetti sauce. It's in there. You just have to stir them up and then begin to walk in them. Renew yourself with these scriptures. And that's why Brother Hayden says, read them over and over and over again. Stir them up. Realize that they're for you and that you need to start walking in them. Um, you know, the plan of God is so amazing. You know, everything that he wanted to take out of us, he put into Christ. And Christ took it to the cross and nailed it to the cross. But everything he wanted to put into us, he put into Christ so that when we took Christ in, all the things he wanted to give us came with him. It's an amazing plan, this plan of redemption that God had. But these things are not just for the pastors and the teachers or the missionaries or the five-fold ministries. Uh, these prayers are for every believer. And we all need these things if we're going to grow. We also need to understand that we can't get these things through our own intellect. You don't get these things by reading. They must be imparted to us through the Holy Spirit. And that only comes by meditating on the Word and prayer. Amen? And... Uh, Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, 12, uh, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we need to understand what Paul said here is in light of what he wrote in the previous chapters, all those prayers that he wrote in the previous chapters, he wrote this in light of them. And thank God we have authority over these evil spirits through Jesus Christ. But we need, that, we need to realize that we have this authority. You can't use it if you don't know you have it. Our combat with the devil should always be with the consciousness that we have authority over him because he is a defeated foe. Jesus utterly defeated him completely in every area and every arena. And uh, one way to look at it is that we're not marching towards victory. We're marching from victory. All we're doing is walking in the victory that Jesus already wrought for us when he defeated the devil some 2,000 years ago. Uh, it's not our job to defeat him. He's already defeated. He can't be defeated any more than he is. The only weapon he has that will work against you is deception. And he's a master at deceiving people into thinking that they don't have any power and authority over him because he don't want you exercising it over him. And, you know, the, the authority of the believer is an aspect of the Christian walk 
that very few believers know about. That's why Brother Hagen taught it. It was one of his classes at the Bible College. He wrote books on it. He has study guides on it because far too many believers are getting knocked from pillar to post by the devil when they don't have to do, uh, take it. And, and, you know, some think that authority over the devil belongs only to a few chosen people to whom God has given, given special powers, powers to or uh, but that's not the way it works. He's given it to every one of us. And we receive this authority when we're born again. As we are made new creatures, this power and authority is imparted into us. We inherited the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we can use it in prayer against the enemy. We have the blood. We have the uh, the testimony we have the holy spirit we have the name of jesus we've got all kinds of spiritual weapons to defeat uh and exercise authority over the devil but we just have to learn what they are and start using them start walking in that victory that jesus wrought for us but the devil doesn't want us to learn uh about the authority of the believer and uh, brother hagan said he fights hard against the spirit of wisdom and revelation he wants us to walk in darkness concerning this, and he'll do everything that he can uh, to keep us from learning about the truth about authority. And that's why Paul prayed that we would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, and that our hearts would be flooded with light. Because once we learn this, then the enemy can't hold us in bondage any longer. We realize that we have authority over everything he tries to trap us with. Uh, if he's trapped you with uh, alcoholism, you have authority to defeat that. If he's got you trapped in porn, you have the authority to defeat that. If he's got you trapped in an uh, ungodly relationship, you have the authority over that. You can... You can defeat any sin that's in your life, anything that the devil has entrapped you with because you didn't know you had the authority over him. You can defeat him with it, be an overcomer and walk victoriously right out of that thing that he's trapped you with. And that's why the devil will fight us more on this subject than anything else. He knows that when we learn the truth, he will not only lose his hold on us, but he knows we will dominate him when we're walking in the authority that is rightfully ours. We need to know who we are in Christ. And even more than that, we need to know who Christ is in us and start walking like it. In Ephesians 1.3, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, past tense, blessed us, the whole church, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. The, the American Standard Version renders it all spiritual blessings as every spiritual blessing. We have already been blessed with every spiritual blessing there is. And uh, this means that all spiritually blessed, blessed, all spiritual blessings belong to us in Christ. All authority belongs to us in Christ, whether we realize it or not. And after tonight, I hope you begin to realize that you do have some authority. And I'm going to give you a homework assignment. I want you to read the first three chapters of Ephesians over and over and over for at least the next three days. Get them into your spirit. Uh, we're, we'll talk about this more next week. But just knowing this isn't enough. It's knowledge acted upon that brings the results. And it it is a tragedy for Christians to go through life and never find out what really belongs to them in Christ. Uh, 
In other words, you can't spend that 20 bucks on a number one large with a Coke Zero pepper jack cheese and a chocolate chip cookie if you don't know you have it. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for the wisdom and revelation that Paul has given us through these prayers in the, in the book of Ephesians. Thank you for Brother Hagin's teachings, Lord. Thank you that he has shown us things that we won't have to dig for ourselves, and we appreciate that so much. And we thank you, Lord, that you are our source, and the Bible is our source. And we thank you, Father, for the wonderful things you're showing us here, that we do have authority over the enemy, and we can walk in victory every single day once we realize that the authority that's in us, and once we begin to walk in it like God wants us to. So we thank you and praise you for revelation. Thank you for enlightening us and flooding our hearts with light tonight. And Father, I pray that as they meditate on these scriptures, they will come alive to them, and they'll uh, be, realize what they've been missing and begin to walk in the victory that Christ wrought for us on Calvary 2,000 years ago. I ask you to bless them each and every one. Heal the sick, Lord. Raise them up in Jesus' name. I pray that the Holy Spirit will enter into the sick, drive the sickness far from them, Lord, and replace it with healing. I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you and appreciate you. Uh, if you thought this message was worthwhile, hit the share button and share it with your friends. And we'll see you next Sunday. God bless. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you. And remember, Jesus is Lord.